Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou is the president of All Metals and Forge Group, who is the sponsor of Manufacturing Talk Radio. And our website, you can find us at mfgtalkradio.com. We have a great show today. We're going to be talking about aerospace on the West Coast, which is our part five of this five-part series. And before we jump into uh, speak to our guest on this particular topic, I want to speak with uh, Lou. Lou, how are you doing today, and what's happening in the news? Uh, everything is just uh, fine, and uh, we have a, a postscript to last week's show that I'd like to talk about in a moment or so. Uh, last week we did have Brad Holcomb, who is our uh, usual guest, the first of the month from the Institute of Supply Management to talk on the report on business for the prior month. And uh, this past uh, week, he talked about uh, the uh, ISM number that came out at 52.5, which was up uh, 1.0, which I wasn't really happy with, but Brad was uh, quite happy about it, that it was an uptick. Uh, but more importantly, the uh, new order count, which was impressive, had gone up 4.0. So uh, even though there's conflict between the um, uh, overall number, as far as I'm concerned, and the new orders, it seems to be going in the right direction. Uh, additionally, uh, last week's show is a two-part show, and we had uh, our uh, professor, Adriana Sanford, who has joined our crew as our Senior International Correspondent for Corporate Compliance and Ethics, and I almost ran out of breath doing that. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, counterfeit manufactured parts uh, globally, uh, the new laws uh, on a global basis that are beginning to be written, and how some of those are conflicting laws from country to country. Uh, I strongly recommend that uh, those of you who did not listen to last week's show go to mfgtalkradio.com and listen to last week's show, uh, last Tuesday, and uh, you'll get a pretty good insight into uh, what's going on from month to month and getting a good insight into our our new crew member, uh, Professor Sanford, uh, who we expect uh, some great conversations uh, in the future. As far as the news is concerned, <clears throat> I thought that this topic had finally died, but it's just, it doesn't seem to have, and it looks like it is getting its own life. We had uh, last year going into this year a eight, nine-month uh, prolonged L.A. port uh, disruption, shortage, slowdown, uh, issue out in, in California, um, and uh, they finally signed a contract on May 21, uh, resolving this issue, and it, it cost our country uh, a major hit on the first quarter GDP of this year, where we were minus 0.7, if I recall correctly. Uh, but this seems to be a scoop that we have here, that uh, as of 9.30 this morning, 
two state uh, senators from uh, uh, Corey Gardner from Colorado and um, uh, Lamar Alexander of Tennessee have issued a uh, new proposal for a Ports Act that would allow state governors to intervene on port issues, uh, leaving the government outside, uh, and the Taft-Hartley Act would probably, of 1947, would probably kind of take a second fiddle to this new law. Um, I'm sure, like everything else that happens in our Congress, nothing happens quickly, uh, but it is interesting that they are looking to uh, take care of this issue. That port cost this country $1.5 billion a day um, and, again, has caused a major blip in our GDP for the first quarter of this year. So that being said, it seems as though that this subject won't die, and I'm sure we're going to be reporting on it again and again because uh, it is such a major uh, aspect of our economy and our manufacturing economy that uh, we feel as though that it is worth reporting on and telling you folks and our listeners about what's going on. Uh, that said, Tim, back to you. Thanks, Lou. Uh, yeah, certainly we were reporting quite heavily on the West Coast port situation uh, November through uh, March and well, a few comments into April and May, and it's uh, a very slow resolution. So we'll see if that helps uh, avoid it in the future, but... Uh, for now, it seems to be clearing itself up, and hopefully it won't become another disruption. However, let's talk about aerospace on the West Coast, our part five of a part a five-part series here on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We have with us Alex Peach. Uh, he is the director of the Office of Aerospace for the state of Washington. And Lauren Markle, who's the director of public relations and marketing in Los Angeles County Economic Development Corporation. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Happy to be here. Glad to have you with us. And, Lauren, thank you for joining us. Sure. Thank you. Alex, let me start with you because I can hardly talk about the state of Washington and aerospace without asking the uh, the uh, $60 million question, uh, what's happening with Boeing? Uh, well, Boeing uh, is going gangbusters here in the state of Washington. Uh recently made decisions to uh, double down on its Washington manufacturing presence by building the 737 MAX, the new derivative of its narrow-body airplane, uh, as well as the 777X, the, the new version of the twin-engine, uh, twin-aisle workhorse. Uh, and so the company is concentrating its uh, commercial airplanes workforce in Washington State and making significant infrastructure investments to get ready for these new airplane programs. And around that, I mean, so I think through those decisions, we've restored the world's confidence in Washington State as a place where commercial airplanes are going to be built for an awfully long time. And companies from around the world are making decisions to uh, come be a part of the Boeing supply chain and, lo and locate uh, new manufacturing operations here in the state. Gosh, that's very exciting and certainly good news for the state of Washington. Uh, Lauren, I want to talk to you about uh, aerospace in Los Angeles County. I was a uh, resident of Los Angeles County in the great state of California for a dozen years. 
uh, and, I, and I have to tell you, I was in the banking industry, so I don't know a great deal about aerospace at the time in Los Angeles County. What's happening today with uh, Los Angeles County economic development in aerospace? Sure. So L.A. County, we've been in aerospace for a long time. You know, you can trace the history back to when they were uh, testing rockets up by JPL and the entire uh, space program that came out of Jet Propulsion Labs up there connected to Caltech. And we've also had a, a long history of aerospace manufacturing here in the county. And that continues to be a big part of our economy here. I think that the entertainment industry has also helped aerospace along because so much of our content now is coming across satellite communications uh, for the entertainment industry. And we also see a lot of uh, movement in space commercialization, uh, whether that be SpaceX or Virgin, uh, um, you know, Virgin with the rocket program they have, or also Boeing with their satellite program. Uh, so there's still a lot going on, uh, still a very vibrant part of our economy here, and we have a great skilled workforce and a very strong supplier network and services network here. Now, Alex, what other is, than uh, Boeing, uh, what's been the activity in terms of aerospace in the state of Washington? Uh, well, 95% of the commercial airplanes that Boeing delivered last year were built in Washington State, so they, they produced a record number of airplanes in 2014, 723. 689 of those airplanes were built in Washington. They're ramping up their production lines. Uh, they are now producing uh, 42 737s a month at their rent in Washington plant on their way to an announced uh, rate of 52 airplanes. Uh, and um, the 787 production line and 777 production lines are, are going strong here. And we're also uh, uh, building the uh, aerial refueling tanker for the U.S. Air Force, which is built on the 767 platform. So um, mm -hmm. there's a tremendous amount of, of commercial airplane uh, manufacturing going on here, and we have, I mean, that's supporting a supply chain of over 1,300 companies that are, um, you know, directly supporting Boeing, and and we also have uh, a, a good base in emerging sectors like unmanned systems and uh, and commercial space exploration as well here. Um, we have been doing uh, this is our fifth show on uh, aerospace, and uh, we've spoken to folks down in the southeast, uh, in, in New England and Texas, and uh, actually in Mexico as well. It seems as though that there's an awful lot of uh, traffic uh, moving to the southeast, Texas, and now uh, Mexico is coming online. Uh, how much of all of this uh, migration of business is affecting or going to affect uh, the West Coast, be it California or uh, Washington? Open question. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is Alex in Seattle. So we're... Um you know, we're certainly seeing some of that. The good news is there is tremendous global demand for airplanes. I mean, I think Boeing estimates uh, a need for 37,000 new airplanes over the next 20 years. They've got a backlog just on the commercial side of, of more than 5,000 airplanes. Uh, and so uh, there is, frankly, plenty of work for everyone. Uh, and Boeing is in such a pitch battle with uh, with Airbus um, to, uh, and to hold off these emerging competitors from um, uh, nation-backed companies like Comac in Japan, or in China, excuse me, and Bombardier in Canada, 
uh, and, and even um, uh, Mitsubishi in Japan, where they are fiercely working to reduce costs wherever they can. And so where there is lower-skilled work that can move to places like Mexico, they're doing it. That doesn't mean that there's a reduction in jobs here uh, in Washington State and in California where we have such high-quality engineering and manufacturing labor. From what uh, one of our discussions uh, with Texas was that Texas and Mexico seem to have a collaborative uh, relationship in regards to aerospace. I don't know if you're tuned into that. Uh, I'm not. Okay. Uh, what I might say is, uh, this is Lauren at, at uh, LAEDC. The what we see is that the, the high value, high technology jobs continue to be centered here in the U.S. and, and Southern California. Certainly, we see that. Um, you know, you might see some uh, some lower uh, tech jobs or assembly portions of the business move. Um, but we have such a center here of research. We've got JPL, Caltech, uh, a lot of different universities sort of feed into our high-tech workforce here. Um, we've got a lot of research that occurs uh, that drives this innovation. Uh, aerospace Corporation here does a lot of the you know, kind of think tank work around aerospace. We've got uh, Missile and Satellite Command uh, here uh, with LA Air Force Base. Uh, there's a very rich labor pool here, and I think manufacturers look at that and they say, this is not a bad place to site if I have a high-tech uh, production uh, or, or innovation um, pipeline that I'm working through. Um, you know, a lot of satellite companies are, are here. So a lot of these high-tech jobs where you need a lot of innovation, capital, workforce, and these related aerospace-certified uh, service firms and suppliers, I think – you know there there is a uh, a strong and deep ecosystem here and i think that's really attractive to manufacturers and i think that's one of the reasons that the high tech jobs high value jobs uh and those processes remain here in the us i think that's absolutely right i would agree we're you know boeing's about to celebrate its uh 100th year in 2016 uh since it was incorporated here in in in, in the seattle area and uh over that past century we've developed uh, a, a tremendous ecosystem. Certainly, the supply chain. Certainly, an aerospace sensibility in our workforce. You know, the state has 34 community colleges located around Washington State. 24 mm -hmm. of them have programs that directly support the aerospace industry. So, that's hard to replicate. Uh, and when you're producing 95% of the company's airplanes. Uh, that's a strong magnet that will continue to draw the suppliers and, and the Tier 1 and Tier 2 manufacturers uh, who uh, certainly can produce some of their parts um, uh, around the world, but uh, their proximity adds a lot of value uh, uh, at the end of the day. Lord, I want to go to I you talked to, um, I, I talked to one supplier firm recently, and he was discussing the, the possibility of moving uh, you know, because there are, are other states uh, in the U.S. that have lower costs uh, on a number of fronts. Uh, but he told me, you know, for us, I can put something on a truck and it's 10, you know, 10 miles one way. I've got the aerospace certified uh, testing facility. I put it on a truck and go 10 minutes another direction, and that's where I have my welding services that are aerospace certified. And he outlined, I think, 15 different services or supply-oriented uh, 
truck runs that he needs to make, uh, you know, they're all within a short drive. And so for him, he thought moving out of state uh, to one of the lower-cost production areas was, wasn't really a, a real promise because you end up incurring additional costs and time uh, for having to ship stuff around the country for various services that you might need performed as uh, on sub-assemblies, let's say. So uh, it was an interesting analysis. I hadn't ever heard it put that way, and I think it certainly lends credibility to uh, keeping your, your production and your operations uh, in one of these deep ecosystems like Seattle, like uh, Southern California. Uh, Lauren, I want to go to you with this question, and I want to circle back to Alex with the same question. And the question is, in the next 10 years, they expect to see a significant skills gap where they're going to have 3.5 million jobs in manufacturing, at least jobs openings. And they may, they're now projecting up to 2 million of those will remain vacant because they just don't have people to fill them. What uh, is your look across the horizon on what Los Angeles County and the, the county schools or the, the universities located in the county are doing to uh, resolve that gap? Well, that's a very good question, and I think we're all looking at that. Um, in some instances, you have a program that might be uh, winding down. You know, here in, in Southern Cal, we've got the C-17 program that's been a fantastic program, but uh, we've sold about as many C-17s as the world needs right now. So that program is winding down, and those workers are available and moving on to other opportunities. And uh, so in, to some extent, you know, they're not ready for retirement. Um, a lot of those folks are in their 40s and 50s, and so there's workforce that's still available. Um, but I think the community colleges, the, the major universities, uh, we have a lot of those here. We've got three of the top research universities in town and about 119 total colleges. A lot of them have curriculum, um, whether it be at the trade level for, you know, your 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 great welders and, uh, you know, the, uh, the line worker type uh, positions. But then there's a, a lot of PhDs in town in uh, aerospace engineering. Uh, so I think one of the things would be we'd see more of those folks stay in town uh, as that workforce, uh, as they graduate and as this workforce is ready for retirement. So we think through smart workforce development and uh, making sure that we're giving smooth pathways as programs wind down and start up, that we'll be able to balance the workforce uh, requirements and, uh, and meet demand for coming in, you know, next, the next program coming down the pipe. Uh, Alex, how about uh, the state of Washington? How do you see the horizon on filling that uh, skills gap? Yeah, well, it's certainly, you know, I think our the biggest challenge coming down the pike, Boeing estimates that 48% of their workforce will be eligible to retire in the next four years. Uh, and so here in Washington, they think that's about 31,000 people they might need to hire by 2020. Uh, and uh, that is a daunting challenge uh, for sure. Um, so we've been investing uh, heavily in uh, aerospace-related training programs at our community colleges. In fact, the legislature uh, awarded uh, ongoing funding to add 1,000 uh, student slots in high-demand aerospace fields at our community college system. We've created 38 aerospace assembly programs in skill centers at the high school level. Uh, and Boeing is now talking about working with the state and with um, with colleges and, and, and high schools to um, develop curricula and certification programs at the high school level so they can hire uh, directly um, 
uh, you know, right after graduation. I mean, that, that's what is so mm-hmm. amazing about the aerospace industry. And there's not many industries out there that where whether you're a high school graduate or a PhD student that you can find a rewarding career. And and and, and frankly, I think that's why so many states are are interested in growing their aerospace industries. And and frankly, why Washington and California are, are so lucky to have such strong bases. Uh, Alex, uh, we also about? see some local employers here who uh, they actually take a family uh, uh, kind of a family approach to their workforce training. I, I know of uh, one company up here, Composites Horizons. They do uh, composites for the jet engine industry, and uh, they're growing quite rapidly and expanding. And as you walk around their facility, you actually run into a lot of father and son teams where the, the father's been there for you know, 20, 30 years. And, and as the company has grown, there's been opportunity for his, uh, his kids to come on board and, and uh, learn uh, some of the basic uh, positions and skill sets. And, and you can tell that those, uh, those young uh, people coming into the workforce are going to gain a lot of those skills. So it was really encouraging to see uh, some of these kids coming up and following in their in their um, parents' footsteps, um, and they'll be learning those skills, and they'll be our next generation as well. Yeah, that certainly is encouraging. Uh, Alex, in the state of Washington, I know there are projections globally for some 40,000 aircraft to be built over the next 20 years, 20,000 of those in China and 20,000 of them in the rest of the world. Uh, how many of those aircraft do you see being built in the state of Washington? Uh, so Boeing built 680 or delivered 689 airplanes here last year, uh, and they think they'll break that number. Or they'll break their overall delivery record again. Um, you know, there's Boeing built airplanes in two places, in, in two plants in Washington and in Charleston, South Carolina, and um, uh, you know they're increasing their production rate at both. Uh, but we're going to maintain that market share at least for the next uh, for, the, for, the, for the foreseeable future for decades to come, I think. And certainly the other thing that is in the realm of aerospace, which is not just building aircraft, but an aircraft stays in service for 20, 30, sometimes 40 years. Uh, In the L.A. area, uh, Lauren, is there a lot of support mechanism? Because you've got certainly LAX there, and you've got Burbank, and you've got the Orange County Airport. Uh, There must be a lot of uh, maintenance and repair operations there in uh, the county. There are, and I think a lot of that is centered down in the Long Beach area, um, but we have a pretty strong industry around that. I think a lot of the industry here is centered around the innovation side of things. Um, we've got about 40,000 uh, workers in aerospace and defense here at about 170 firms, and, and it's a really wide gamut. You know, you've got everything from, as I mentioned, aerospace corporation, which does more of the kind of the think tank work around uh, looking at these systems and analyzing them, uh, all the way down to, you know, welding facilities or companies making fuel tanks for satellites. Um, So there's a lot going on with space commercialization, unmanned aerial systems. Uh, Those are some of the big uh, growth sectors here in the L.A. County region. But certainly there is this whole uh, maintenance industry and uh, I think that uh, that'll continue to be strong. And as you point out, with LAX here, that's one of the biggest airports in the world, and um, and LA Air Force Base is here too. Although they're more focused on um, computer technology, uh, perhaps than actual uh, aircraft. 
what percentage of the West Coast aerospace uh, market is uh, defense-related, uh, defense aircraft? We've, we've been talking about purely commercial at this point. I think it comes in waves. You know, when there's a big program, that certainly changes the picture. Um, you know, there's some talk that there will be another program uh, required for the next, you know, the next uh, big plane for Department of Defense. And, you know, depending on what the scope and scale of that program is, I think that really changes the uh, the workforce ratio as far as what's working as far as, you know, space commercialization and rockets versus uh, jets. So I think it's going to vary across time. We think right now we're at a bit of a low uh, here in Southern California for actual contracts uh, with uh, with the military and defense uh, on aircraft themselves. But then you've got uh, a switch in interest towards unmanned aerial vehicles, and there's a lot of that going on in Southern California too. So um, I think it's uh, it's a challenge because uh, it's not as predictable uh, in terms of you know when do those contracts come in. Uh, and uh, you're sort of looking uh, at the federal budget, which has a lot of uh, ups and downs. Uh, so it's hard to uh, have consistent, uh, you know, year in, year out uh, uh, industry around defense. I think it is uh, it is challenging in that regard. I think Warren makes a good point about unmanned systems and um, and the, the military appetite for that, of course, as, as civilian use of UAVs grows, there's going to be even a, a broader market for both of us. I think California and Washington were one and two in terms of the industry's estimate for uh, where the jobs and new revenues are going to come from the commercialization of or the civilian use of unmanned aircraft. Um, and of course, uh, the long-range strike bomber is the, the next big DOD aircraft award, and I think California's in good shape to get a piece of work, uh, a, a, a good piece of that work, depending on who wins that award. We'd, of course, like to Correct. supply some parts for it. Um, the interesting thing on military aircraft we're seeing is this use of commercial airframes like the 737 and the 767 to serve military needs. I mentioned the KC-46A Pegasus, the new uh, aerial refueling tanker. Boeing's going to build about 170 of those for the Air Force here in Washington. Or, uh, they're also having tremendous success with um, the, the P-8 Poseidon, a 737 with um, you know bomb doors and strafing guns to do submarine hunting and, and maritime surveillance um, around the world. Um, and so, and then we're going to build, um, you know, the new set of Air Force One airplanes for the president here on the 747-8 airframe. So, we're hoping that there's going to be more of that, where the the, the um, efficiencies and uh, performance of Boeing's commercial airplanes can have more defense applications, uh, and that's um, you know an exciting place for us. Secretary Kerry, the Secretary of State, was here. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said that he's been virtually living on his 757, uh, and he said, don't you think we're ready for an upgrade? And, and uh, we said, absolutely, we've got a 787 Dreamliner for you here. So we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, Alex, I know you uh, mentioned uh, unmanned aero vehicles, as did Warren, and Seattle is home to Amazon.com. What's happening with UAVs in terms of Amazon's delivery to the door? Well, you know, frankly, we've been waiting for the FAA to get its act together and let companies uh, that want to innovate and, and transform the way 
uh, retail takes place to test their innovations uh, in the United States. I think, you know, in the past couple months we've seen um, some positive signs out of the FAA that that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, my office is just a couple of blocks from Amazon's headquarters where, as I understand it, 80 aerospace engineers, ex-NASA people are working on developing uh, this drone delivery service, uh, Amazon uh, Prime Air, uh, and it's really uh, it's not a publicity stunt. Uh, I think there's plenty of us that when they, we first saw the YouTube video uh, come out a couple of Black Fridays or, uh, ago, that that's what it was all about. But uh, they are, I'll tell you, they are serious about it, and it's um, it's really pretty exciting to think about the world that that might open up. And Lauren, how does that affect uh, you know the airspace around LAX? I'm sure around every airport the FAA has concerns, but you may be real in touch with it in terms of LAX and uh, UAVs. Well, there's still a lot of restriction here as far as UAVs uh, flying in the LA airspace, and uh, uh, that does present some challenges because you've got companies that are developing these systems here, and um, you know how do they go through a, a rigorous test process? Um, so it, it is imposing some challenges for those manufacturers here on, on unmanned aerial systems, and I think that they'll continue to be pretty tight around the airspace, uh, around LAX, just because it has so much traffic. And, you know, frankly, as a flyer, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> we just need to make sure that we're not hampering innovation, that we're still providing the opportunity for these companies to innovate and, uh, and go out and test their systems. Um, and I think uh, there's still plenty of opportunity to do that if you're, you know, if they're thoughtful about, uh, you know, how they're putting those programs together. Um, you know, up in the northern part of LA County, there's a, a lot of uh, open land in uh, the desert area. So, um, of course, Edwards Air Force Base up that way too. But uh, it's uh, it's certainly one of the more vexing challenges. We have all heard stories about. You know, unmanned aerial uh, systems, you know, competing with airspace for these uh, commercial airports, and I don't think we've got a good answer for that yet. It's, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Alex Peach, who's the director of the Office of uh, Aerospace for the State of Washington, and Lauren Markle, who's the director of public relations and marketing for Los Angeles County Economic Development Corporation, along with myself and my co-host, Lou Eisen. Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'll take a quick commercial break and be back shortly. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, 
and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. And we have our guest, Alex Peach, who is the director of the Office of Aerospace for the State of Washington, and Lauren Markle, who is the director of public relations and marketing for the Los Angeles County Economic Development Corporation. Uh, Lauren, I want to go to you and talk about the economy. Uh, You know, every month we have on... Brad Holcomb, who's from the Institute of Supply Management. He's the chair of the committee that issues the manufacturing report on business. We've talked to our friends at Maypi, and we've had Chris Keel on, who is an economist with the Fabricators and Manufacturers uh, Association International. And all of the forecasts look real rosy coming out of 2014 going into 2015. And then the first quarter went to a negative seven GDP, and the second quarter has been pretty soft. How do you see the next six months and the next 18 months in terms of the economy in, in Los Angeles County? Well, the economy is doing pretty well. We, we feel that it's still on a pretty steady growth path. It's, uh, the economy is still creating jobs. Um, you know, there are a lot of positive signs. We think that the the, the soft uh, numbers that came out on the economy early in the year were largely due to uh, the weather uh, in the east. And, uh, of course, we had some ports issues, uh, as you discussed, on the west coast, which are largely uh, cleared up now. Um, I think one of the things manufacturers would be concerned about you know, you have to look at the dollar. Dollar is really strong right now, and that is presenting some challenges for exports, um, and uh, that's a concern. Um, we're looking at ways to increase exports here, helping companies explore options to open up new markets for their products overseas. That's one of the things our World Trade Center works on here, and uh, so we're still putting uh, programs and initiatives in place to help those firms. Uh, look abroad, but it is a, a challenging market right now with the dollar's strength. So uh, that is one thing we look at for manufacturers. You know, other things I think of uh, looking at manufacturing, and, and LA County is the number one county for manufacturing uh, as far as jobs in the nation. Um, you know, part of that is because uh, we're such a large county, um, but manufacturing is still under some pressure. You know, we have seen a, a slight decrease in manufacturing every year, and, um, you know, we've seen a more, an increase in jobs related to services here. Manufacturing in L.A. County, we see it moving more towards the, uh, the innovation uh, industries and uh, jobs that require higher skills, um, higher productivity uh, for the workers. Manufacturing is still very strong here in L.A. County, um, but... 
Uh, I think that it's uh, important for workers to be looking down the road and thinking about how they can increase their skill set, look for ways to uh, add uh, important capabilities to you know what they're able to do um, as we look towards the future and think about what are these manufacturers going to look like five years down the road. Are they going to uh, continue to move higher into the innovation cycle uh, where skills that, that they have today, maybe they don't need the kinds of uh, skilled workers they have today. Maybe they need a different skill set in the future. So we spend a lot of time talking to our manufacturers and connecting our, our schools to them so that they can, you know, tell directly, you know, these folks involved in workforce development, what, you know, what skills will you need in the future? How can we get the schools training to that level? Um, so those are some of the things we look at. Uh, but generally, we see the economy is pretty strong. We're creating jobs uh, at a pretty good clip right now, and uh, uh, we're very optimistic about this coming year as far as our forecast. Manufacturing uh, Talk Radio is a endorser of uh, National Manufacturing Day. Um, I, I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar with that. It's, a, it's now become a national event every first Friday of uh, October each year. They've had their fourth uh, uh, event where they have manufacturing companies all over the United States. Uh, actually, last year was the first year that they had some manufacturing in every state in the union open their doors to allow uh, students, uh, career change people, and so on, to go into manufacturing, take a look at what manufacturing is today. It's 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 not oil on the floor and steel scrap on, on the floor, but it's uh, iPads and um, uh, the clean environments and so on, and uh, the job uh, the job salary market in that is quite high. And uh, if you're not familiar with it, I, I recommend that uh, and to our listeners to go to mfgday.com uh, and you will see what this is all about. They're expecting a huge uh, event this year. Last year, I believe they had 125,000 people participate in all of these events around the 50 states. So I, I offer that to you as a, a possibility to uh, take a look at that. Yeah, it's a great yeah. program. A lot of the companies in Washington are, are, are participating, and I'm sure they'll be active again this year. Alex, how does the uh, aerospace industry in the state of Washington uh, look in terms of the next 6 to 18 months? Certainly very strong, but overall, do you see the same uh, positive movement in the economy that Lawrence sees uh, down south of you? Yeah, particularly in the, the central Puget Sound area, you know, the, the, the Seattle area in particular is experiencing tremendous economic growth driven by uh, Amazon.com and, and our IT industry here. Um, we're seeing um, IT companies from uh, really around, uh, around the world opening up engineering offices. Even Alibaba out of China has established um, – Seattle as its uh, de facto North American headquarters here. So uh, things are going gangbusters. Um, uh, aerospace, frankly, is driving um, the growth outside of the central Puget Sound um, and manufacturing uh, in the supply chain um, around the state. 
I should have said earlier, you know, we have um, we have aerospace related companies in 35 out of the state's 39 counties. So this is really a statewide industry here, and uh, and that's driving the the growth in the sector is is driving uh, job creation really all over the entire state. Uh, but frankly, in some of the rural areas and uh, and in eastern Washington. Uh, you know, it's not as strong as it is uh, in downtown Seattle, and that's something we continue to work on here uh, in the Department of Commerce and at the state. Lauren, uh, in terms of Los Angeles County, what are some of the more remarkable things that you uh, uh, see happening that were maybe kind of unexpected uh, but very positive for the county? We're seeing a pretty major increase in our high-tech industry here. I think most people look at Silicon Valley and they think that's the you know the tech epicenter of the world. Uh, L.A. County has been coming on gangbusters in terms of the number of tech startups uh, and large tech employers here in town. And we uh, we did a quick study on this last fall and found that there are actually over 365,000 workers at high-tech companies here in L.A. County, and another 100,000 high-tech workers at companies you wouldn't consider uh, high-tech, you know, fast food or, or food processing, I should say, for example, where you might have a tech worker, that, but it's traditionally not a, a high-tech company. Uh, so a lot of this is happening on the west side. You know, there's uh, the term Silicon Beach that gets thrown around, which is the Santa Monica, Playa Vista area. But really it's, it's happening across the county up in Pasadena and um, certainly in the areas around the entertainment industry. A lot of this comes about uh, through the the uh, the convergence of uh, entertainment and digital distribution, digital content uh, uh, viewing, uh, there are so many related technologies required for content distribution, creation, and um, certainly new platforms to engage in your entertainment content if you're a consumer. So uh, it is just a fantastic thing to watch uh, these startups grow and succeed and certainly venture capital moving into town to support uh, all of that innovation. So uh, that's a real big change uh, in terms of the uh, the real upswell in employment in the sector right now. We're watching that pretty closely. And I think in general, uh, we're seeing a lot of increase in professional services, uh, employment in town. So, um, you know, that's a fairly broad category, but um, it's it's pretty strong uh, growth across the board right now in town, and I think the one last way we're still watching for is construction to pick back up. You know, as far as construction across the county, and we see that uh, happening here um, more and more moving into next year. Now, although we're talking about aerospace on the West Coast uh, as manufacturing talk radio, I'm curious, Lauren, what's happening with manufacturing in the Los Angeles County area? Well, I think manufacturing is strong. You know, we, we do continue to see slight decreases in employment levels through time uh, as manufacturers look for ways to uh, bring in different kinds of systems um, and uh, increase the productivity of individual workers, which sometimes means you can do more with fewer workers. Um, as I mentioned, L.A. County is still the manufacturing capital of the U.S., and we're very proud of that, and uh, we have some great companies here manufacturing goods. Um, the, you know, the thing I think again is these companies have to continue to innovate and look for ways to stay sharp. Uh, you know, one of the other sides of the strong dollar is that 
overseas goods are less expensive right now for American consumers. So it's really an important time for manufacturers to look at their systems and their processes and make sure that they're staying competitive. Uh, we see that here a lot. There are a lot of uh, manufacturers that we work with that ask us for workforce training, um, and we have programs we can help them tap into. Um, we help them with cost containment. We help them with utilities. Uh, so there are a lot of services we bring to bear to make sure these manufacturers stay competitive and continue to thrive. Um, and I think that's important. You know, if you're a manufacturer, many times you're so concerned with what you know in your business, um, you're not necessarily thinking about, uh, you know, I wonder if I could get my utility provider in the city uh, around the same table and try and think through some of the things my business needs as far as expansion or um, uh, deals we can uh, we can construct with our utility that might help our long-term position. Uh, these are important things, you know. Uh, I think that uh, we're in a position to, to bring to light incentives or tax incentives or programs at the state level uh, that they might not be aware of. And I would encourage manufacturers to, to talk to their local economic development uh, organization and explore some of these opportunities, uh, especially for workforce training. There are free programs out there for workforce training, and it, it helps these manufacturers onboard new employees because there's fewer costs to do that if you take advantage of these programs. A lot of our manufacturers, you know, we're talking to them, and it's the first time they're hearing about these these opportunities. So it's it's uh, it's wise to sort of look around and see what your opportunities are and make sure you're taking advantage of state incentives. Um, you know, in, in California, there's a manufacturing R&D tax credit that's uh, available. And, again, some manufacturers haven't heard of that. We want to help them take advantage of these tools to stay competitive and uh, and stay here in LA County can you share with us your uh, URL or email address that our listeners might be able to uh, get in touch with directly happy to do that so we're at laedc.org and uh, that's the best way to, to catch up with us and I should mention that we also have a free business assistance program. So any manufacturer that wants to talk to us uh, confidentially uh, at no cost to figure out how we can help them grow and uh, uh, expand and uh, keep keep their success here in L.A. County, uh, we're happy to provide those services, services confidentially. Hey, Alex, in terms of, uh, you know, just beyond – Boeing, I'm sure there are lots and lots of support companies in the state of Washington to support aerospace. Uh, can you give our listeners a feel for what kind of volume of support companies there are out there and the number of jobs that have been uh, created by those companies? Yeah, but first I'm going to give you my website. Folks can find we have similar services to what Lauren outlined, and, and folks can find us at choose at choosewashingtonstate.com. Um, yeah, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've 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 identified 1,350 plus companies that are uh, aerospace or aerospace related parts of the supply chain located in nearly every county in Washington State. Uh, to, uh, in all. We have a workforce of about 132,000, um, uh, or those companies support 132,000 jobs directly. Uh, and so this is um, a robust uh, statewide 
Aerospace Center. You know, we uh, we claim to be the global leader in, in aerospace manufacturing, and I think it's arguable whether you know the Seattle area or Toulouse in France, where Airbus is headquartered, is, is number one. Uh, but certainly, uh, in terms of the number of people employed, uh, you know, we're by far the, the center of aerospace in North America. It certainly appears to be uh, very, very strong and encouraging to hear. Uh, we have been kind of watching the ISM number and uh, getting some feel for where the economy is going. It certainly sounds strong in uh, the state of Washington, and it sounds strong in the uh, Los Angeles area. We've heard the same thing for the southeast and the southwest. Because uh, you're talking to the economic developers, we all think that our uh, <laughs> our regions right. are strong. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to say it's lousy here, and you should stay clear of the area. <laughs> you're not going to hear that from me or Lauren, I'm sure. Well, next week. Well, I think it helps when you you've got everyone rowing in the same direction. You know, one thing we did last year, which was a uh, a little different, was we put together something called the Jobs Defense Council, and it was meant to be a little bit of a play on you know defense, uh, of course, as our, one of our key industries. Um, but what we did was we got together uh, several hundred uh, influencers in the region. They they come from government, with public officials, uh, elected officials, uh, labor, suppliers, the prime contractors. Uh, the consultants, the associations, um, you know, the little uh, the little assembly companies, and uh, and smaller tier two, tier three suppliers. All these, we brought all these people around a table, and asked them what they needed for the industry to grow. And it was surprising how many people expressed the same ideas. Uh, and just to have everyone pulling in the same direction has helped us achieve some things on the tax uh, regulation front. Uh, we were able to modify tax code um, to help some of the space commercialization companies here uh, with the way their inventory was taxed and it came, you know, was favorable for the region. Uh, we've, we've been able to get elected officials uh, out to some of these suppliers and see firsthand some of the challenges they face so that, you know, our elected officials are more versed on what specific things can be done on the public public policy side to help the industry thrive. So, you know, it, it's such a large and disconnected group of uh, firms in, in some respects, and when you can bring them all around the table uh, and share ideas and pull together on, uh, you know, uh, submitting uh, proposals for a big contract, it makes a big difference. You know, we uh, we talked briefly about some of the upcoming defense uh, aircraft work, and L.A. County is likely to participate in that because uh, we pulled together. Uh, we also have a, a, a federal aer um, manufacturing community designation for L.A. County, and we got that through uh, collaborating and all these people working together to make that happen. So um, it's a it's a nice direction to be pursuing, and, and our Jobs Defense Council has taken a leadership role in, in making it a more favorable environment for aerospace here. And so um, that's one thing we're excited about from this past year. Lauren, certainly one of the questions you have to be asked frequently is the tax uh, structure or the tax impact on moving something into the state of California, particularly L.A. County. How do you address that? I think that certainly there are cheaper places in the country to do business, um, but the people who are here understand, again, it's this deep ecosystem of suppliers, service companies, the workforce, the innovation in town, and, and some of the IP that comes out of facilities like uh, JPL and Caltech and you know the many uh, innovation centers here in, in L.A. County. 
I think that uh, these companies locate here because of the talent and uh, the ideas and um, certainly access to that whole ecosystem. So, you know, SpaceX certainly could have chose to locate in Texas or anywhere else in the country to build uh, there are rockets that are, you know, refueling the uh, the uh, space station, but, you know, they're here in L.A. County right near the airport. So, um, you know, Elon Musk knows a few things about running a business, and, and he's chosen here, uh, you know, to locate SpaceX, and they've just expanded. They employ, I think, over 3,500 people over there on the west side. So, um, you know, and that's just a piece of the approximately 60,000 people that are in our, our aerospace vehicles and defense industry cluster here. And, um so, uh, yes, yeah, certainly taxes are, I think, uh, something that every business has to look at. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, in the grand scheme of things, um, it's just one piece of the puzzle, and we're very proud of the environment we foster to help these companies succeed. And we'll uh, share with uh, our listeners that uh, the weather, of course, in uh, Los Angeles doesn't hurt either. Yeah, dry. that's the traditional reason, right? That's the traditional reason both the entertainment industry here is here as well as the aerospace industry. You can fly a plane pretty much any day of the year, and you can shoot outdoors if you're uh, if you're a film crew pretty much any day of the year. So um, that's been a traditional reason those industries have cited here, and and certainly those long uh, routes uh, into history uh, have helped uh, have helped our region uh, with those two industries here. It is, it is true, by the way, to our listeners, that you can be skiing in the morning and laying on the beach in the afternoon in L.A., because we've done that. Uh, Alex, how about uh, anything in uh, the Seattle or state of Washington area that is surprising to you that uh, you see developing on the horizon? Uh, other than the fact that it's 82 and sunny here today? Ooh, that's uh, good. Yeah, no, we've actually had a, a a spate of of really good weather here, and I put you know Seattle summers against any place in the world is. Um, I think you said that's uh, your weather. It's like sixty spot. and cloudy here today. <laughs> is that right? Um, I can't. Yeah, I can't believe see. they're going to get into an argument over the weather. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, we're playing nicely. I think that um, there's a, a number of things that have interesting trends in the industry that uh, have been, um, uh, that's not surprising, certainly uh, exciting to see. First of all, I'd say is automation in the commercial airplane industry where, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that Boeing is really working to drive down cost, and and as these production rates are climbing, they're they're looking for ways to automate. So, we've seen uh, interest uh, from a lot of companies uh, from around the world, many of them uh, who have large presence in Detroit, frankly, who are coming here to help Boeing with their and their other G1 suppliers with their uh, automated assembly lines. KUKA, the robot systems provider, opened up an engineering office uh, here, and you know, we're talking to three or four other um, automation leaders who are uh, bidding on various projects. And so that's been sort of interesting to see. As, as uh, It's hard to think of a 737 or especially a 777 as a commodity product that needs to be um, you know, manufactured in that way, but it's, it's changing the way... Uh, the OEMs are having to think about how their products are designed, uh, and so they're thinking about the manufacturing process first, uh, and, and that's a really interesting trend that I think we're going to see develop over, um, you know, the years to come. 
I think the other thing that uh, two other things that are fascinating. We've talked about UAVs and and space a lot. We're also seeing growth in in those sectors, and um, it's been really fun to watch uh, the emergence of our space cluster. Certainly, nothing as strong as in Southern California and LA, but SpaceX opened an office here as well, where they're going to design a a network of satellites that hover, that orbit the Earth and distribute ubiquitous Wi-Fi service. Uh, Jeff Bezos' company, Blue Origin, is is building um, uh, rocket ships here, I mean, literally rocket ships. Um, uh, and so it's been really uh, fun to see um, the audacity of some of these companies uh, take root here. Also, I think the you know, Eastern Washington on the west side of uh, the Cascade, or excuse me, the east side of the Cascade Mountains. Here we have very rich agricultural lands, and so the nexus of of that agricultural um, uh, that agricultural land and our farming heritage, combined with our aerospace know-how, is driving a a, a rich uh, focus on precision agriculture uh, and and how. People are using UAVs and, and other autonomous systems uh, on the ground even to uh, uh, make the agricultural processes more efficient. I mean, those are some interesting trends that we're watching and I think are, are going to be um, creating a lot of jobs here and you know elsewhere around the world in, in the next decade or so. Well, Alex, I want to thank you for being a guest on our show. We really appreciate you being on today. You bet. And uh, would you share your website with us again, please? Sure. Uh, you can find us at choosewashingtonstate.com. Great. And, Lauren, thank you for all of your comments. Uh, I think both you and Alex um, have made manufacturing sound pretty exciting and sexy on this particular show. We appreciate your participation today. Thank you. It's been great. And I'll just give you our URL again. You can go to choosealacounty.com or our organization here, LAEDC. That's just laedc.org. You can get us at either place. Great. Uh, Lou, any final comments before we wrap up Manufacturing Talk Radio today? Uh, no, I was going to throw a quick question out, and I've got about a minute to do it, so it's a quick uh, response as a wrap-up. We didn't really talk much at all about uh, Airbus, and, and I know the show is about aerospace on the West Coast, but uh, giving it a quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down, how's Airbus uh, in relation to uh, Boeing's, for example, or uh, L.A.'s aerospace industry? Are they uh, are they a threat? Are they not to even be concerned about? Uh, give us a quick, uh, uh, quick comment or two on that. Well, I think they're a threat and an opportunity. I mean, certainly it's a challenge for Boeing, but it's an opportunity for our supply chain. About half mm -hmm. of the companies in Washington State are, are that are in commercial airplane business are, are already supplying Airbus. And, and as the company looks to grow its U.S. buy to, um, to leverage the value of the dollar versus the euro, you know, they're looking to increase that. Uh, and I think we're going to see more of that opportunity um, over time. Okay. And... One more comment, and I think we're going to have a wrap, Tim. Well, that's uh, been a terrific show. We really appreciate the participation of our guests and all of our guests who have been on this aerospace series have provided a lot of great information for our listeners on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You are certainly uh, uh, welcome to follow us on Twitter at MFG Talk Radio or go to our website, which is MFGTalkRadio.com, to listen to this show or any of our previous shows. 
And that wraps us up for Manufacturing Talk Radio today. We'll see you again next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.